Hi, and welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. This is Dr. Sadaf Lodi, and I would love for you to leave me a review of this podcast and also to share and like it and share it with your friends, see what they think, and let me know. I would love to shout you out on social media, and also I would love for you to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Sadaf OBGYN, as well as TikTok. I also have started a YouTube channel at Dr. Sadaf Intimacy Coach. I'd love for you to follow me on all of those channels. And most importantly, I'd love for you to become a patient. I am now accepting telehealth patients for sexual health as well as menopause health in New York and Michigan. So if you are a woman that is looking for a doctor that understands you and can actually take the time to listen to all of your concerns, reach out to me. Reach out at drsadaf at drsadaf.com. And I would love to see you as a patient. And now for the episode. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Well, welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. Yay! And I am so excited because this is my year-end podcast. And can you believe that I've been recording now for two years? What the heck? I know, right? Like that time just flew and who knew? But I am totally loving it. And if you look at the episodes from the beginning, when I first started, boy, is there a difference. <laughs> I'm not even looking up from my notes. Um, and now, thank God, because I've been doing this a little while, um, I feel a little bit more comfortable. So I'm really happy to be here. And I'm so excited that you're here because today you are in for a super treat. What I'm going to do, it's going to be so different from any of the other episodes because we are going to run down the top 10 episodes of the Muslim Sex Podcast for 2023. And as you can see, I'm wearing my sparkly shirt because it is the year end and we are going to be starting a new year, 2024. And so many great and amazing changes are awaiting all of us in this new year. So I am super excited and let's get started. So um, let's start out. I'm going to go from number 10. So we're going to run down the 10 most downloaded episodes. So we're going to start from number 10 and go all the way down to the number one downloaded episode for the year 2023. So let's get going. Coming in at number 10 is the episode with Dr. Andrea Wadley. Yay. So this was the episode on postpartum changes. And Dr. Wadley is a pediatrician and breastfeeding consultant. So in case you missed that episode, it is super good. And so, so important to watch, especially if you just had a baby and you're kind of worried about, you know, what changes are happening with your body and how intimacy is related and, you know, what you can do for breastfeeding and all this stuff. And Dr. Wadley is also available for a consultation if you're interested in lactation. So she would be an amazing resource for you to reach out to. And oh, by the way, I just want everyone to know that as I discuss the episodes in the show notes, Alan, my 
podcast uh, gentleman who helps me edit all my podcasts uh, is kind enough to write all of the episodes down. So you'll be able to click on that particular episode and listen to it in case you missed it. And you're like, oh man, you know, where's this episode? I really want to hear it. Um, you'll have all 10 episodes in this show notes, in these show notes. So make sure you look out for that. So if there's an episode that you missed that you want to go back to, or, you know, something that you want to share with your friend and say, Hey, listen, I just heard this and it's an amazing podcast and I want you to listen to it too. Um, you can forward that link to your friend. So Again, let's go back to Dr. Wadley. So Dr. Wadley in this episode talks about everything you need to know about postpartum changes from breastfeeding to effects on intimacy. Dr. Wadley talks about what she does and gives her her expertise. And during this discussion, gives us a clear view of what's going on um, during the postpartum changes. So she and I, me being an OBGYN, and she is a pediatrician and a lactation consultant. Um, she goes in and delves into all the changes. So it is a super great episode. So make sure that if you missed it, you go in and you take a listen. By the time you get to the evening and you're exhausted, your spouse has maybe worked all day, you've taken care of the baby all day, maybe you have other kids and you've been doing all those things, you know, you're exhausted, you're tired, right? So um, date nights are wonderful. You can get a babysitter, have a date night. Um, it's also okay to take advantage of nap time. So, you know, so like on a weekend, if your baby is napping, that is a perfect time to, you know, have some intimate time with your husband. And, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily sex, but it can be, you know, time alone and um, time together and focusing on each other instead of, you know, worrying about the things of parenthood. Um, and then, you know, because of the way the hormones are behaving in your body and causing symptoms, you know, things like lubricant or vaginal estrogen is something you could bring up with your OBGYN, you know, so in the early days of breastfeeding, when you're estrogen is just so low um, that all of those things are dry and painful. You know, some of those um, additional support during that time will help you, um, you know, and then as your estrogen starts to come back to normal, your baby's getting older, you're tired and busy and, you know, just making sure that you're making time uh, for that to be a priority um, in your relationship with, with your spouse or your significant other. So that was number 10. Coming in at number nine is yours truly. Woohoo! Yay! So that was my episode on 2022 Lessons Learned highlights and moments on the Muslim sex podcast. So that was an episode where I went back to all the episodes in 2022 and kind of recapped what we talked about and how this whole podcast thing started. So in my 2022 lessons learned highlights and moments on the Muslim sex podcast, I went down and kind of broke down some of the highlights of the first year and some more of the details on those topics and uh, just went over what I talked about, why I started and all of those things. I think if you remember, if you were with me in the first season, in the first year, I did a lot of just really the obstetrics and gynecology, kind of like the basics, like the one-on-one. Um, and I spent a lot of the year talking about that. And then I moved on into, you know, getting more um, healthcare experts and talking about intimacy and relationships and kind of what that looks like. But um, really in, in 2022, I kind of spent a lot 
a big portion of the time talking about obstetrics and then gynecology. So throughout the podcast, I've spoken a lot about obstetric issues and also about gynecology issues. And then as we approach toward the end of the year, I spoke a lot more about um, mental health issues. So for example, anxiety in relationships, and we talked about focus, we talked about well-being, we talked about um, postpartum health, and we talked a lot about uh, different sexually a lot of different topics regarding sexual health. But um, some of the other episodes, which I think people were very interested in was regarding childbirth and postpartum health. And again, that episode about postpartum health um, was very, very important because we don't have very much information. There isn't a lot of information about postpartum health. You know, as OBGYNs, we're so good about taking care of the mom and the baby while you're pregnant, but then really, once you have the baby, you know, who's checking in on you? Who's asking about your mental health? Who's asking about postpartum depression? Who's asking, you know, are you okay? Uh, do you need any help? And so I feel that as OBGYNs, we have a lot of work to do in terms of making sure our patients are okay and they're feeling well after they have their baby. Because as you know, for those people that have had children, you know it really rocks your world. <laughs> I mean, in the best sense of the word. I mean, it's it's really a lot of work. So, you know, um, props out to all the parents out there that are having children and taking care of kids because it is definitely a lot, a lot of work. So let's go down to number eight, all things fibroids with the fibroid doctor, Dr. Cheruba Prabhakar. So on this episode with Dr. Prabhakar, um, she and I talk about everything you needed to know about fibroids. And we know that fibroids can cause so many issues, right? Uh, especially in women with bleeding and pelvic pressure and infertility and um, anemia and those things sometimes can get really big. So it was a fantastic talk with Dr. Prabhakar and because she is a minimally invasive surgeon that is out in California, in um, Northern California, she can help you out and with your fibroids and or maybe she can even save your uterus and just take out the fibroids. What we talked about in that episode was what it was like living with fibroids and what are the common symptoms and then ways that they're diagnosed and how they can be treated and managed. So that is a really good episode, especially if you have fibroids or know somebody that has fibroids that may benefit from that because we know that they can really wreak havoc on uh, a person's life, especially with the bleeding. So, and oftentimes it's a reason why people get hysterectomies. So just um, be sure to check it out if uh, you know anyone or just want to check out the episode because it was an awesome one. So let's talk a little bit about um, maybe we can and you can tell the viewers about what exactly fibroids are for those women that, um, you know, are lucky yeah, enough not to so have fibroids. Our uterus um, or colloquially known as, you know, the womb um, is made up of smooth muscle and 
fibroids are essentially balls of smooth muscle that grow on the uterus. Um, and so they are almost always benign. Very rarely do they turn into cancer or anything like that. They're usually benign. And a lot of women don't even know they have it. Um, but it's actually really common. Um, 80%, 80 to 90% of all women are diagnosed with a fibroid by the time they're eight. So it's it's really wow. common. It's way more common than you think. Yeah, it's, it's really common, common, and a lot of times you, you don't really go looking for it unless you're having problems, and then you know you're getting uh, scans sure. and other testing to find out that oh yeah, I actually have a fibroid. So okay, so coming in at number seven is the biopsychosocial model with Dr. Uchenna Osai. So she goes by. You see logic on her Instagram and her Instagram is so, so fun and entertaining. She really makes sex education really interesting. And uh, I just love watching her episodes. But on this episode, when she came on with me, she and I talked everything about the sexual, about sexual health and how to take a proper sexual history and using the biopsychosocial model, which is usually um, the model that we use in sexual health, because we know that anytime somebody has issues with their sexual health, it's more than just um, let's say just their anatomy, right? A lot of times it has to do with uh, what's going on with them. So it could be like a medical condition that's affecting their sexuality. It could also be like their mental health, like, you know, anxiety or depression or something like that. That's also affecting a person's sexuality. And then um, socially kind of what's happening, you know, did they grow up with sex negativity? Did they, are they a single mom, you know, that's struggling? Are they, are they experiencing a lot? Uh, have they experienced trauma in the past? So really important to kind of use that biopsychosocial model when doing a sexual history intake for a patient. So that's um, what we did there. So that was coming in at number seven. The biopsychosocial model is a departure from that. I call it a departure, but I, or we can think of it as an additive. It's looking at our health, yes, from a biological perspective. So we have the things that are going on in our life, endometriosis, uh, erectile dysfunction, pain, hormonal imbalance, whatever is in that bucket. But then we also have to look at it from that psychological perspective. What's happening to us emotionally, right? Do we have a history of trauma? Do we have anxiety, right? Do we have depression? You know, are we dealing with significant amounts of shame, whether that be, you know, body shame, cultural shame, you name it. And then you also have to look at it from another line of, you know, the sociocultural components, what it, our gender, right? Our religion, our race, right? Our sexual orientation, how society frames us, right? Those are going to help inform how we look at ourselves from a sexual perspective, how we look at how, you know, how, how policies are made to kind of allow us to express ourselves in any way we can. And then the last bucket is going to be that interpersonal component, right? So our relationships with others, our relationship with ourselves at work, right? Are you, are you kind of functioning in a toxic work environment all day, every day, and then you have to come home to family and other responsibilities, you know, so you're constantly in this space where you're not able to, you're just surviving. Yeah. 
And, and then that survival does have neurophysiological components that do impact your stress level, that do impact your rectile function, your vaginal function, your bowel, your bladder. So all of the things. So it's, it's really what I think of the biopsychosocial framework as a inclusive, informative, healthy way to look at our health, particularly our sexual health and all the players that are there. Because sometimes we we can be, not to any fault of our own, the only script we've been taught is we're very tunnel visioned. It's either get this med, get this, this hormone, which might actually, you might need both, but there are also other pieces to it that'll help you have a more, how, how, have an even better improved outcome. Number six. So I know you guys are just so excited and wanting to know what is going on. And we are slowly making our way up to number one. So you have to wait for what was the number one downloaded podcast. So coming in at number six is menopause and hormone replacement therapy with Dr. Karen Men. And for those of you that follow her on Instagram, you know that she loves to talk about hormone replacement and menopause and how important uh, hormonal replacement can be. And now I think that we call it menopausal hormone therapy, but how important that is uh, for a woman as she goes and makes the transition to menopause. So really, really important. And, you know, she talks about, right, hormone therapy and menopause and how women have been misled about menopause and how hormone replacement really works and much more. So if you are a woman that is going through perimenopause, menopause, and you're not quite sure, you know, what to make of all the symptoms and things that you're experiencing, make sure you check out this episode because it is jam packed with information and what you can do and how you can advocate for yourself as you go through menopause and perimenopause. I can't tell you how many women come to my, my practice and they're crying. They're like, I can't, like, I can't have sex with my partner. I have lost all my sex drive. It's impacting my relationship. And I'm like, are you having these physical symptoms of menopause? Yes. What did your doctor tell you? Use lube. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, and it's because of this messaging. Doctors and patients are like, oh, estrogen, no. But it doesn't even make sense. I'm like, come on, we're doctors. We need to like level up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's such great information. And I love the way that you broke down all that research and everything that's, you know, come about since that study. I think that's so important to understand and know. And, you know, even as a patient, right, you can go to your practitioner. And after listening to this podcast, you can tell them that, no, this is what the research shows now. And this is where we're at. And, you know, it's important to be treated if you absolutely if you, you know, do not have a contraindication, it's even more so important to be treated because it impacts every aspect of your life, right? Especially the cognitive function part of it. I mean, it's I feel so fascinating. I'm like in perimenopause and I feel like I'm in a constant state of brain fog. So yeah, well, it's so, so it's super interesting. And I want everyone to know this. And, and there was just a study that was out that I, I TikToked about actually. Um, you, you've inspired me with the TikToks because I love your TikToks. They're so informative and amazing. Um, but you know, this is super interesting. Estrogen is neuroprotective. Do you know two thirds of Alzheimer patients are women? Two thirds. Okay. Because we're living longer. 
Well, a couple of things. They're living longer, but this is super interesting. Men have an andropause, right? They, they do slowly lose the testosterone, but at a much later age than women. And what women don't understand is that testosterone in a man is converted by his fat cells to low levels of estrogen, which is very helpful on a man's brain too. We, 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 both men and women have estrogen and progesterone. But the difference between men and women, and this is like standard science, that is the Alzheimer Association, any professional organization, they know that women, because they lose their estrogen decades before men ever drop their estrogen in their brain, because of that, that loss of estrogen is the single biggest reason why women are, you know, the majority of Alzheimer's patients, right? Wow. So age and being born a female are the two biggest risk factors, age and being, so you're right. Women are living longer, but they're living longer in an estrogen deficient state. All right, so that was episode number six. Coming in at number five. So here you guys all told me why it's so important to talk about comprehensive sexual education. And so I had this conversation with my good friend, Salim, who is in Finland and has an ed tech over there. So Salim is the founder and CEO of the assessment fund, and he has um, a company called the Lincoln Method. And so anyways, he talks about why it's so important to invest in education and ed tech and really how that solves a lot of our education problems and really access to education, right? So how cool is that, that you can, that he has a school that is like K through 12, but it's all virtual and all online from tutors that are from all over the world. So really cool episode. And really we talk about the importance of sex education and why that's important to you and why that's important if you are a parent um, that has children and how you can start talking to your children about sex education as well. So, you know, we talk about um, the issues that sex education can present, not only in more conservative and faith-based communities, but also in the modern problems we have and just discussing the real importance of having those conversations and having comprehensive sexual education uh, in our schools and why that's important. So really, really great episode there. Trying to study how can we facilitate a dialogue between the parent and the child, right? Because, right. especially if you're coming from the Muslim community, not only the Pakistani community, this is a very personal thing, right? And every family Absolutely. will look at this from a very personal uh, Right. Some parents are very progressive, so they would talk about this in, in a more open setting. And some parents are very, very conservative, and it is a complete taboo issue. So the, the, the thing over here is, even though it might be a taboo issue, it needs some kind of a discussion. So what kind of a course or what kind of a discussion or what kind of, uh, you know, town hall, you know, uh, dialogue needs to be started so that, number one, it's respective of the, the local norms, right? Absolutely. And it is at the same time providing the relevant information to, uh, to the audience. And I think that young adults, they, you know, it's, uh, I don't have the data or the statistics on this, but I would not be surprised if the, uh, if, you know, if the majority of the data that is being uh, uh, 
that is being generated is not taking into account uh, an individual going onto the internet and exploring stuff by themselves, right? Through various things, through various sites. And then a lot of these kinds of discussions are happening in chat rooms that are just not being monitored. So data cannot be collected from them, especially when it comes to peer to peer engagement, right? Um, right. You know, uh, I know for a fact that, uh, you know, sexting is a very, very big uh, epidemic. Uh, within the younger generation. And then, you know, uh, you have all kinds of images that are being, you know, uh, fly, that are flying around from one phone to another and so on and so forth. So instead of having the, uh, I, I think what the Muslim community over here has an opportunity to do is we have an opportunity to address uh, the dialogue that is being take, that is taking place in the peer to peer level and bring it into a more mature so that there, it's being discussed with an adult in an adult manner, right? In a mature setting, taking into account the, uh, you know, uh, the local uh, and the cultural uh, intricacy. Coming in at number four for the year in terms of downloads, we have anxiety in relationships. And I think this was, you know, I love all my episodes and I really appreciate the time that um, the physicians and the thought leaders take to come onto my podcast and talk about what they do and talk about how what they do affects relationships and intimacy. And Dr. Austin Sheikh came on and he is um, a psychiatrist, a board certified psychiatrist that is based out in Northern California. It seems like everybody's in Northern California, right? But he is out in Northern California and he talks about, and he actually did, uh, he and I did three episodes. So it's a three part series about anxiety and relationships. And really how anxiety can affect your relationships, how it shows up, how it plays out in your relationships and what you can do about that and how you can really, you know, try to see how, I don't want to say overcome anxiety, but you know, how you can start to help yourself if you are experiencing anxiety in relationships and then definitely seek out the help of a healthcare provider to help you with your anxiety, um, because you definitely don't want anxiety to ruin your relationship, especially if you are with the one person that you absolutely love. So he shares his expertise in the field and exactly about how anxiety shows up in your relationship and what you can do to manage that anxiety. What are things fully in my day that I can actually control? Because um, I think naturally what happens um, is that as you go through your day, your, your mind starts to drift to the other ones. Um, it's not that we're like power hungry or, you know, but, but, but it's just the way our mind works. It, it assumes every problem that comes to our mind, we can actually control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, I was thinking while you were just talking about that, about mindfulness and how that plays into it and focusing on things that what you can control. And that's also something that, you know, I talk to clients and patients about in terms of like coaching as well, right? Because it's all about moving forward, but it's moving forward on things that you can do and not things on what, you know, your spouse or anyone else, because you don't have any control over that. It's only what you do that you have control over. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And, you know, our, our, our mind is constantly running. And so mindfulness, in my opinion, is, you know, the ability to kind of step out of your mind and, and, and look at it. Right. That's really, really important. Otherwise, you're just going to be at the mercy of the kind of state of mind you're in. And the problem with that is mm-hmm. that, again, our mind by, by its nature tends to be um, protective and, and sometimes negative. Um, because, again, it thinks it kind of has to keep us alive. It can't distinguish between immediate threats and uh, existential threats. So if you just go with the flow, you're often going to end up in sort of a more negative place than you need to be. And that's, you know, I think at the heart of what somebody says when they're anxious is that they're not, they're not trying to be anxious. They're not trying to be negative, but they're just kind of going with the flow of their mind. So I totally agree with you that the, mm-hmm. the key to mindfulness is the ability to step out of our thoughts and to actually just look at them. And, um, I think in our society too, you know, we have this, um, our, our society is very um, success oriented and very much about doing. And so even just to ask somebody to say, hey, look, spend even five minutes just kind of breathing and noticing your thoughts. It feels almost like unproductive to them. Like, wait, why would I do that? You know, that's, you know, wh- what's the point of these things? But the, the point is, like you were saying, is the ability to have this, um, what I call an anchor in the river. If, if, if our mind is like a river that's constantly flowing, you don't want to be just swept along with it. You want to have the ability to you know, put down an anchor and stop and decide for yourself which way you want to go in your day. So, yeah, I, I agree. Mindfulness is at, the, is at the key, is at the heart of it. All right. So coming in at number three, we have intimacy coaching with Dr. Ozma Joffrey. And this was a super fun episode because I had the privilege of coaching Dr. Joffrey outside. So, you know, you don't see us having a coaching session in this episode, but I was able to coach her outside of, um, you know, outside of this episode. And so she talks about her experience and why intimacy coaching is important and really how it can help you in your own relationship. And so we know that uh, Dr. Ozma Jaffrey is part of a collaboration with uh, Zeba Hassan, and they have a group called A Mommy While Muslim. And so she comes on to talk about intimacy coaching and how it has helped her and what exactly it is and what the resources are, and then ways to actually talk about sex uh, with your partner. Because oftentimes I know it's really hard and especially um, if it's at the end of a really long day where say, I don't know, you've been up all night delivering babies. (laughs) And, um, And so it can become really, you know, just like another task or another to do to do with your partner and probably may not feel up to it and may not want to do it. So anyways, in this episode, we go about, you know, talking um, and seeing ways that you may approach that conversation with your partner and how to not make it such a big deal 
and how you can slowly incorporate uh, doing small things in your relationship so that you can build that emotional intimacy with your partner and um, create a stronger bond. So that was a pretty cool episode. I'm not that petty. I'm not that superficial. And you're not, you know, but it's that critical to set up, you know, it's like, I do a lot of end of life care and at the end of life, Mm. you know, there's really only the F's left, right? Like food, fear, and that's it. That third one. So that's all we remember. You know, it's very limbic. Our needs are very, very simple. So if you don't satisfy those very base needs, you can't build on top of it. Um, so I encourage everybody to get willing to dig and get willing to get under the soil and get dirty and find out what the root is of your resentment and happiness, displeasure, dissatisfaction, um, angst, just overall, like what's the point of anything? Because, you know, even that can be felt by other people, not just by your partner, but by the children you're raising, by the other relationships that you have. So if this critical key relationship that God himself mentions in the Quran as so critical, isn't um, fostered, isn't nurtured, isn't, um, what's the word, treated? Like like it's a medical problem, you know? Um, It's going to just ripple out into all places, even your professional spaces. So, you know, if you value all of those personal professional relationships, then this is the digging that you really have to be willing to do. It is grossly uncomfortable and painful. Um, But the good news is you don't have to share it with anybody except your coach and your partner. You know, so those are literally the only two people that are going to know. You're the three people in the world who are going to know that you're going through it. So you can be as private or as public as you want about it. And coming in at number two. So you know what this tells me? This tells me that my listeners, you guys out there, are super interested in intimacy coaching, which is I'm so glad to hear because that's kind of what I do, right? Um, And so if you're here, that means you're interested in intimacy coaching. So coming in at number three and at number two are both intimacy coaching and sex coaching. And so the number two episode is intimacy and sex coaching with Dr. Sonia Wright. Dr. Wright, another super awesome physician, and she has her own sex coaching that she does for midlife women. And she talks about how it's really important to have these discussions, which, you know, we're talking about sexual health and um, intimacy with your partner and how you can have those conversations and build a mutual understanding and trust in your relationships so that, again, you increase that emotional intimacy. And we know, based on Rosemary Basson's um, research on the female sexual response, that emotional intimacy is a huge part of uh, the sexual response cycle in women. And, you know, that that really is integral. And a lot of women crave that emotional intimacy to build that bond, you know, and of course, not all women, but a lot of women um, crave emotional intimacy and how it plays a huge role in the female sexual response cycle, which Rosemary Basson created for women and is more of a circular model as opposed to what Masters and Johnson created, which is more of a linear model. So anyways, if you don't know what the heck I'm talking about, Go back to that episode and take a listen. 
And that is with uh, Dr. Sonia Wright. And um, in there, you can also find how sex coaching can be an excellent way to help find healthy and fulfilling sexual intimacy that you may not have had with your partner, or maybe you had, and maybe you lost it throughout time. So super important uh, to, so go check it out if you are interested. One aspect that I think is an important thing is that up until that point when you're married and you go into the other side, right? Um, we often have been given information about don't engage in sexual intimacy. It's only for marriage. And so we haven't necessarily, we don't know how to make that transition over to the other side. Yeah. I would say give yourself time and patience. As we talked about, there is the physical side of it. There's also the emotional connection that goes. And the emotional connection and the physical connection will both grow as time goes on. It's important to be able to be as comfortable as you can. If that means that you are able to talk to your partner ahead of time and kind of get a sense of what you would uh, like to engage in at the beginning, you know, that's something, if you can have that conversation with each other, that that builds that trust, that connection and that intimacy. And that's kind of the first step. And then you can go from there and explore each other's bodies now that you're married and um, you have like the, um, what is the word that I want? <laughs> the the step of approval. <laughs> There's a better word for it, but that's kind of what I have. Like, just because you have the stamp of approval does not mean you have to rush into anything. Um, there's, there's nothing that says that you have the stamp and then boom, wham, bam, and it's done. You don't, it doesn't have to be like this. I think of sex and sexual intimacy as a beautiful gift and kind of a sacred, beautiful gift that we get to interact and, and share with another human being. And since it's this beautiful gift, I do come from a place of reverence and from a place of really, it is, it is a sacred act. It doesn't need to be rushed in any way. Um, and the more there can be communication and touch and enjoyment in this aspect of it and slow it down if it needs to so that people are feeling as comfortable as possible. And then also give yourself time because up until this point, uh, what you've heard is that you don't engage in sexuality and it's hard to change your identity mm -hmm. in, a, in a millisecond where you go from being a non-sexual person to being a sexual person. And there's not a lot of discussion about how women get to be sexual, right? How do we give ourselves permission to be sexual when we have not been sexual previously? Right. And so this is about shifting our identity over time. And also, it's very important to know how you think and feel about sex and sexual intimacy. Sex yeah. and sexual intimacy, as I say, it's not a bad thing. It's just within your culture, if it's and religious beliefs, if it's something that you wait till after marriage, then that's fine. Like on the other side of marriage, we get to look at this as a beautiful gift and, and something in a positive light. And we get to work towards making that experience as possible as positive as possible. So this is kind of allow it to take whatever time it takes, have focus and see what your thoughts are around sex, because yeah. they might've been fear-based at one point in time. Mm -hmm. They might've been around the lines of taboo. They might've had negative connotations in the past, mm -hmm. but as you shift into your marriage and your union with this other person, then you get to let it have a different connotation. 
And that's the beautiful side of sex and sexual intimacy. Okay, and drum roll. The number one episode that was downloaded the most amount of times in 2023 for the Muslim Sex Podcast was my conversation with Dr. Rachel Rubin, sexual health, wellness, and the clitoris. This episode, I welcomed Dr. Rachel Rubin. She is a rock star in the field of sexual medicine, and her Instagram is so, so good, and she does huge advocacy work for menopause and sexual health, and she will always tell you to use vaginal estrogen to prevent uh, UTIs in menopausal women and really undiagnosed UTIs can lead to sepsis in women as we get older and even death. So really important to use that vaginal estrogen, but take a listen to that episode. So in that episode, I welcome Dr. Rachel Rubin, who is a urologist and sexual medicine specialist. And we talk about sexual health and the clitoris and her article um, that was written about her in the New York Times about how, what the clitoris is and how most physicians don't talk about the clitoris to their uh, patients. And we know that that is the only organ in the human body that is solely created for pleasure and has more than 10,000 nerve endings. So we talk about that. And, you know, she is deemed DC's premier clitorologist. Who knew that was a thing, right? But that's uh, what she does and what she is famous for in the New York Times. And Dr. Rubin also talks about her expertise and research to give a clear understanding as to why the clitoris is so important for sexual and overall health. And their science really has never looked at this issue before. And doctors are not routinely taught how to even examine clitorises. And it's not part of the general checkup that you get with an OBGYN. Um, and we found in 2017, during my fellowship, we looked at thousands of pictures of vulvas. And we found that about 23% of women have what's called clitoral adhesions, where you try to pull the, the hood back and it gets stuck to the head of the clitoris. And so that's all we knew from 2017. And then I had a brilliant group of medical students from Chicago look at my data and said, well, gee, if we stretch open the tissue and get rid of those adhesions, does it improve anyone's orgasm? Does it actually help? And we found remarkably that about we had about a 75% reduction in pain and a 60 plus percent improvement in orgasm, arousal and satisfaction. And people were really happy. So it's one of those things for women who say, ooh, I don't like when my partner touches my clitoris. It's too sensitive. I don't like oral sex. I don't like being touched there. We usually tell patients to go see a coach like you to talk about it, as opposed to see the doctor like you to actually examine it and see if there's something actually physically going on in that area. That's amazing. I mean, that is life changing for women, right? Because as we know, most women need clitoral stimulation to orgasm. And so if that response is muted, or if they have pain with it, then it's unlikely that they will enjoy sex. 
Absolutely. And so yeah. it, it's it's like to your point, right? Most women, as we know, orgasm from clitoral stimulation, not from penetration. So I joke, it's like if a guy comes to see me for uh, sexual problems and says, Dr. Rubin, I have tried for years to orgasm rubbing the inside of my thigh. And no matter how much I do it, I can't orgasm. I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. Can you fix me, Dr. Rubin? I want to be able to rub my thigh to have an orgasm. I can't fix him, right? And I say, well, just go a little bit more towards the penis and, and you'll get that orgasm. And so that's essentially what women are doing. They're coming and saying, I'm broken. I can't orgasm from penetration. Nothing that happens is working, whether it's five minutes or 20 minutes. Well, you're in the wrong spot for most people. Now, some people are very sensitive and have extra nerves and are very lucky and can orgasm from penetration, but that's the rare, that's the exception, not the not the rule. Yeah, no, that that is phenomenal. And I know that for a lot of women, women have actually reached out and told me that they have never experienced orgasm and that they just didn't know how and their, their partners didn't know either. And I think that has a lot to do with not understanding the anatomy and not realizing what it's there for. And as we both know, the clitoris is the only organ that is solely for pleasure, right? Whereas like the penis, it serves multiple functions. The clitoris only serves that function. And so I think that it's just so important. And most OBGYNs are not comfortable discussing this topic. And I think also it has a lot to do with our medical school education, our residencies. I mean, I can tell you that in when I was going to medical school, um, we had probably about like a few hours of sexual health, you know, education at all, if at all. And that was based on the 1966 research by Masters and Johnson based on old white men. And we know that women are not men. And so we never really learned anything about the female sexual response. And then flash forward to like my residency and my residency we taught we were not taught anything at all about sexual health. In fact, recently I was with an academic hospital and I know for a fact that they were not teaching the residents either about sexual health. So then where do physicians actually get their information? And that's why they don't do it because we as doctors, we like to talk about things that we know. In fact, if I were on this podcast and you asked me to talk about the incidence of prostate cancer and how we treat prostate cancer and all the details, I would squirm and I would sound stupid and I would not be very happy that I was on this podcast. But I talk about what I know. I talk about what I care about and I'm very, I can speak very confidently to that. So to your point, because we don't teach doctors about these issues, they're working on their own personal experience. Yes. And I'll tell you, we spend our 20s in the library studying for exams. We're not out there exploring our sexuality. Now, some people are, but but it's the rarity, not the rule. And so the problem is, is I can't, I can't see a patient who has a different background or different beliefs than I do or different um, things that they want to do and put my bias on them to say what I think they should care about. Because if a patient comes to me with a low libido and wants to be having you know, more sex than they're having or cares about group sex or wants to do things that maybe I wouldn't do in my personal life, they should get to do what is right for them and their bodies as long as it is safe and consensual and, you know, those sorts of things. And so, but we're not trained to talk about it. We're not trained to care about it. We're trained to care about cancer and life and death and things like that. But our patients care about quality of life, right? They care about their relationships. They care about the closeness uh, to their partners and it matters. And, and so we have you know, and it's, it's challenging to do in a 10 minute visit, you know, when your legs are up in stirrups and you only get, you know, three minutes with your gynecologist who's running late and has six more patients to see after you. It's, it's a challenge, but it doesn't mean it's not important. 
And it was so fun to talk with all of these experts. And I want you to know that if you are a listener and a viewer, and you are sitting here watching this episode, I want you to know that you can go back to all my episodes, any and all of them. They're all free. They're all online that you can go ahead and download and take a listen to. And really, my whole purpose in creating this podcast, as well as my platform that I have on social media, which by the way, if you're not following, you should really follow. It's Dr. Sadaf OBGYN on both Instagram and TikTok. And I'm on YouTube at Dr. Sidov Intimacy Coach. And of course, there's this podcast. And I have a blog on my website at drsidov.com. Um, really, the whole point of my whole social media and platform is to empower and educate people, and really specifically women, because I am a gynecologist. And so I advocate for women. And I think this type of information which we may not have always had access to is now available to you and in the comfort of your own home and you can take a listen. And so make sure that you take a listen and share and give me those five star reviews because that would really help me and help you so that I can help you so that it shows up on, on Apple and Spotify and all of those um, downloading uh, platforms. So it is what I love to do. I love to do this and I'd love to bring you more episodes. And you know what I would love for you to do is I would love for you to DM me on Instagram or TikTok and, and, or just go to my website, write me an email. And let me know what topics are you interested in, in this upcoming year? What is it that you are most curious about? You want to know, you want to learn about, uh, regarding sexual health, intimacy, menopause, any of those things that I focus on and let me know, let me know what it is that you want to learn about so that I can cater my podcast to what you want to know about. And really, that's the most important thing, right? You guys are the most important people out there because I'm doing this for you and um, to help empower all of us and give us all knowledge. So cheers to 2024. I'm super excited to see what it brings. And I am really excited to bring more podcasts to you and uh, really encourage you to listen and let me know what you like and make sure that you reach out. And also, I wanted to remind you that I do have a retreat coming up in September 2024 that is for women. And it's on nourish and uh, love and you'll be getting coaching and yoga and excursions and it's all based in Morocco. So make sure that you go and check that out and register because spots are filling up quick. So if you are interested, uh, please be sure to register and come join us. It'll be with me and another physician. So that is it. This is all I got. And I am super excited uh, to have you along with me on this journey as I bring you more topics. And I want to give a, a shout out to my wonderful podcaster, Alan, and his wife, Melissa, that helped me so much and helped me come up with this list of the most downloaded episodes. They are awesome. So if you're ever looking for anyone to help you with your podcast, they are it. They are a super team. So anyways, thank you and happy new year. And I hope you have a fantastic new year. And I'm excited for you to continue this journey with me. 
So thank you for listening to the podcast and make sure you leave us a review, share and like the podcast. And if you leave me a review, I'd love to shout you out on social media. So be sure that you share it with all your friends and thanks for listening. This show was produced by Pretty Easy Podcasts and made possible by listeners like you. If you ever thought of doing your own podcast, please visit prettyeasypodcasts.com.